Welcome, everybody. Good evening. Good morning. Whenever you happen to be watching this, uh, or even good afternoon. Uh, I am <laughs> Ian Simmons, and I'm here with Earth's Mightiest Critics. Uh, we're doing our Spotlight India series. We're getting it in uh, just towards the end of the month. I, I promise we're going to do one of these every month and just making it under the wire. And this time, we're talking about a very different kind of film than we have talked about uh, in, in past iterations. Uh, I'm going to hopefully not butcher this title. The American title, or I guess the English title is An Off Day Game, but the uh, original title is Azvudafasate Kali. Well, wow. well yeah. done. Wow. Better well than I done. could that's, do. That's, that, that's assuming I pronounced any of that correctly. Um, it might have been smooth, but it could also be incorrect. It could be. Um, but uh, so here with me tonight uh, to talk about this film and, and some other things are uh, we've got Mark the Movie Man Krawcheck from Special Mark Productions in the spoiler room. Yes, that's you, Mark. That's me. We have <laughs> Mike Crowley of You'll Probably Agree. And we have Jeff York of The Establishing Shot. Welcome back, Jeff. I, it was weird. I know you popped into the, to the green room before we went on. And we were talking about movie pass, and I don't think anyone actually said, "Hey, Jeff, how you doing?" So, hey, Jeff, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Hi, okay. Uh, great to be here. Nice to see you all. Uh, hopefully, uh, you can hear me okay. I know you can see me. It's a little dark in the room. I'm not sure why that is. Uh, it seemed pretty lit when I was uh, getting set up, but here I am. Adds a little more mystery to my uh, uh, presence, I guess. Maybe. And also, it also uh, reflects the darkness of the film that we're going to talk about tonight. It certainly does. It certainly does. And, and maybe it's a touch of theater of blood, Ian, which I'm so sad that you didn't invite me for this last week, because that's one I'm of my sorry. favorite horror movies of all time. But well, wait, wait, another way to time. go, Ian. Way to go, I'm, Ian. I, I'm, I'm a bad person and a worse friend. I'm sorry. Um, I can no, quote I, that movie, and we'll quote it at lunch sometime. All right. <laughs> um, but uh, so... Before we get started, I, I do need to talk about some recent news. Um, you know, as the reason we are doing this Spotlight India I, I series think. is because hmm? I don't know if I, there was an echo. Sorry, that was me. Um, Sorry, oh, okay. I had the YouTube like shareable link open and I was sharing. Uh -oh. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, but the reason we started uh, this series is because of a film, little movie that came out uh, last year called RRR by S.S. Rajmuli, um, which I will never stop talking about. Uh, <laughs> and which is, uh, you know, my favorite film of last year and of probably the last several years um there was some controversy uh, in the fall because they were talking about uh, academy award nominations and uh, for international picture and the different countries are putting up their films they're going to submit in india um or the the cinematic governing board uh, i don't have their name here that's an embarrassment uh in their infinite wisdom they decided not to put up rr even though it was you know breaking all sorts of records and a very you know popular uh, movie phenomenon they put up a film called last film show um as it's a coming of age drama and um yeah they they submitted that and then when the uh, announcements the actual nominations came out last week uh last film show is not not anywhere to be found um rrr got a nomination for best song for Natu Natu, which is, you know, great. It's an achievement. It's going to bring recognition to the film that it might not otherwise have. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I am just, I don't know, I'm, I'm burnt up about RR not getting, uh, not getting even considered. Um, I, I think it deserved to be up among, you know, even forgetting the international thing. Uh, what does it have that Top Gun Maverick doesn't have? Now, that would be the one I'd swap out, probably. However, I do also understand that Top Gun Maverick was an important film last year. 
broke all kinds of records and as they say brought people back to the cinemas in a major way um but uh yeah so i just wanted to stop and acknowledge that you know rr is a great film and it's the reason we're really sitting here talking today about uh indian cinema because uh it really opened me up to the possibilities of you know other movies that are they're coming out of this this region and you know learning about bollywood and tollywood and mm-hmm. and the you know the different uh, mythologies and politics uh coming out of the culture that i was you know frankly unaware of it's been a fascinating journey we're going to continue that here tonight mm-hmm. um does anyone else have anything to say about rrr's snubbing at the oscars i wonder if it got sn- oh jeff you can go no first. no go ahead mike please <laughs> uh well i wonder if it got snubbed because they didn't consider it like real or serious cinema you know then those people did not watch it yeah, well, that's what I think. I think they didn't watch it. I think they saw All Quiet on the Western Front. And, you know, hey, I, I liked it a lot, too. But uh, to to swap it out with RRR, it's like All Quiet is more of an easier choice to make, you know, based on the Academy's history in their movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, have two thoughts on it. One is countries screw up all the time about the movies that they submit for best film. Um, uh, Pedro Almodovar is the most popular Spanish filmmaker, and yet his country continually does not submit his films for the best foreign language film. And uh, the year that he won his second Academy Award for Talk to Her, they did not submit that film for best uh, foreign language film. And it would have easily won. I mean, my God, it, it was a foreign language screenplay and one of the original screenplay that year. Uh, they've done that many times. Uh, he was not submitted for um, Pain and Glory, which would have easily been uh, probably the winner that year with the Antonio Banderas Best Actor nomination. So shame on India for this. Although, you know, maybe at the time they thought, well, this is the the right move for whatever calculations. Um, it is funny, though. The Academy is always, you know, like great and kind of terrible at the same time. They, they nominate a lot of great work and uh you know things that the critics like and audiences this year liked i mean it's kind of amazing that top gun and avatar are both up for best film knowing that they're big hits more so than well top gun is a critical hit avatar is a decent uh, critical hit but i mean they usually don't nominate you know the big money makers and and there's a number of other ones that have done well that they've acknowledged across the board but then they you know they the whole controversy around andrea riseborough's nomination which seems to be have uh, been uh, inspired by uh, an actress calling a lot of her actress friends and sort of getting them on the bandwagon, which is not much different than, you know, the paid ads that they have in Variety and Hollywood Reporter. But, you know, uh, a lot of people who were thinking that um, a couple other actresses were locks were not because, uh, you know, somehow that last minute uh, sort of push got Riseboro in there or the fact that RRR did not make it, it was a popular hit. It was a critical hit. Um, you know, to your point, Mike, there was very little buzz or very little hype about All Quiet on the Western Front. It's well done as it is, and it started to figure in some critics' awards and 10 best lists, but it was hardly given the push that Netflix has pushed a number of other films like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and some of those that definitely benefited from uh, you know having sort of the, the big push uh, money-wise and everything behind it. I mean, I think it's unusual the Triangle of Sadness got up there, and it also was a Best Director nomination. I would argue that that's the one that may somehow have taken RR from it, because it's a, you know, uh, the sort of odd entry, the eccentric one, the kind of um, 
unusual one. I mean, it's a dark comedy that usually those kind of things do not get acknowledged uh, by the Oscars. So you never can you never can figure it. You know, there's always something that's confounding. Nobody really was predicting Riseboro. A lot of people weren't expecting All Quiet to do quite as well as it did across the board, uh, tying uh, for the most nominations with I think 11 that uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once got. So hard to say, but uh, yeah, it's it's a shame about RRR. I think it will win Best Song, so it may be going away that night an Oscar winner. Um, but a lot of people expected that to be up for film and a director, if not editing and cinematography and a whole batch of awards and ticket nominated. But then my favorite foreign film of the year, uh, uh, Close, got nominated for only uh, Best Film. And then my second favorite foreign film of the year, Decision to Leave, got completely shut out. A lot of people thought mm -hmm. that was maybe even going to get a director nod. So you never know with the Academy. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a strange thing. And I, I am personally biased because I love RR, but... I just think about the phenomenon of that movie. You know, it's a big hit on Netflix. That's how a lot right, of people right. heard about it and saw it. Sure. But also, you know, SS Rajmuli and some of the folks associated with the film, they made, I think, a couple of trips over here to the States to promote yes. the movie. They were famously at the Music Box uh, That's right. in, in Chicago. Um, and just being at the Music Box, uh, it reflected a lot of the stories I had heard about some of those other, you know, screenings like in Hollywood and right. other places, you know, sold out screenings where people were just going nuts. Yeah. I mean, it was not like Rocky Horror Picture Show participation because like <laughs> half the audience, I think, in those screenings had ne never seen the film before. They had just right. been told by their friends, you got to come see this on the big screen. Right, right. And they're, you know, stomping and screaming and cheering and just it's the it's the it is as Scorsese might say cinema um, <laughs> and just to see that you know not you know I, I don't know it's that shut out except for song I mean Rajamali's going to the Oscars along with the uh, you know uh, some of the other folks from the film that's that's wonderful right. um, I, James Cameron I think had said uh, in a tweet or something because he, he met Rajamali Rajamali met him and there was like a gush fest a couple <laughs> of weeks ago and Cameron had said look if you want to make something stateside we should talk uh, mm. I think that would be phenomenal um, so you there's know, the victory right there isn't it yeah that's <laughs> really getting yeah. more of an audience worldwide or at least in the states where you know it's a big big deal but I mean yeah I mean he met uh, Spielberg I think at some point so he's got all these like mm -hmm. People who are <laughs> nominated for best director and and their and their movies are right. praising this guy for something that I mean I'm sorry but I think his film mopped the floor with both of those guys' entries this year, um, yeah. But you know what? Enough enough drowning in our sorrows. <laughs> We're going to talk about a film that is drowning in its own sorrows and <laughs> alcohol and, and all sorts yeah, of stuff. <laughs> See, and I, I'll just be over here because I'm a big genre fan and I just yeah the Oscars. <clears throat> I'm you're, I'm just saying there have been some performances in horror films that mm -hmm. that deserve recognition sure, and sure. Oscar immediately turns it away and I think mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, if if you would would mind you and I didn't want to cut yeah. you off but no go just ahead. really quick about RRR I think the part of the problem is is a lot of the academy may have looked at it as a genre film mm -hmm. more so than what it actually is because if you went just by the surface and don't actually pay attention to it a bit, mm -hmm. you could see it as just a genre film of sorts, a, a kind of a fantasy. There's a whole other layers to it, as we've all talked about. But maybe that is also part of the reason why it was pushed versus All Quiet on the Western Front, which in all honesty, I thought was going to be a Netflix series. And I didn't even know it came <laughs> out until like a week later. I heard people talking about it I'm like, mm -hmm. wait. 
that came out. And then yeah. the next thing I know, it's got like 11 Oscar noms. And I'm like, I don't even know hardly anybody outside of maybe you guys who have watched it. <laughs> you know, I, I have not. That's one of the movies that I got to catch up with yeah. in the next uh, couple of weeks. But, um because I, yeah, I had no, it wasn't on my radar at all. But, but I mean, that's the thing is like, I understand what you're saying about genre films. I mean, if I had my druthers, there'd be a place for, you know, two Thai West films up there. Um, and, and, at and least Mia Goth. Goth. Yeah. Mia Goth. They don't yeah. even talk about Mia Goth being ignored. I mean, they talked about the, the locks of, uh, uh, you know, uh, Viola Davis and um, mm-hmm. but, um you know, I mean, Anna de Armas getting there is, is a little bit surprising considering a lot of people felt the film was, uh, you know, not great and was kind of polarizing, but she was terrific in it. So they, they, I think, recognized her achievement and in, in some degree, her bravery for taking on such a challenging role. But poor Mia Goth, you know, she's great in two horror movies uh, and she doesn't get acknowledged. But to Mark's point, they very rarely acknowledge horror. I mean, the, uh, the amount of horror that's been nominated has been very, very rare. And only in the history of the Academy is one film that, yes, it is a horror movie, mm-hmm. uh, albeit a very intellectual sort of elevated <laughs> horror movie has won in that Silence of the Lambs. But I also think what helped that is that it was a prestige film that wasn't done by horror people. Um, it was done by A-list actors, a director who is not an, known for horror at all in Jonathan Demme. Um, and same with, you know, The Exorcist. Uh, but that didn't win that year in 73, despite that being the biggest film critically and the biggest commercial hit that year. It lost to The Sting, which is a terrific movie, but it was just too much for a lot of, I think, the members to sort of completely accept and and part of that is because i think they think that horror is a little bit of a b genre which really up until movies like rosemary's baby and the exorcist uh generally was it was not an a-list thing so the academy thinks they always have to go for the most noble stuff and somehow they still don't see horror as fitting in into that even though it's come so far and movies like goth uh uh, like with a mia goth starred in are incredible performances that should have been in the short list and weren't even talked about as real contenders because it's from that genre i mean i feel like you stitch X and then Pearl together in that order, even though Pearl came first chronologically, I think right. part of the magic of that is the reveal of, yes. you know, that flashback of that farm. Mm-hmm. But you stitch yeah. those movies together into one like three hour thing. And I think you nudge Avatar right off the damn map. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. OK, let's. Let's, Let's nudge on. that off. Well, the map. and and, and you know, it's interesting. <laughs> just let me say, let me no, just say one last thing, Ian, about it. it's interesting too, because I was a fan of uh, Blonde because I think it is about the uh, the bill of goods that women are sold and and mm-hmm. they try to maintain uh, attain in Hollywood and how it's working against them and and they aren't given really uh, the fair shot. And the funny thing is, I think that. Uh, Pearl is exactly the same story in its kind of way, at least as far as the message of the film, as Blonde is. But, you know, Anna Darmus gets in. I'm glad she did. But poor Mia Goth, who I thought should have gotten in for probably that one as well, didn't really stand much of a chance. It's too bad. The last thing I'll say, and Mark, don't apologize, because I, I think this is a great yeah, you know, sure. kind of, uh, tag to the conversation. Um Mia Goth is, I have not seen Infinity Pool. I know a lot of people are kind of losing their minds over it. Um, One day we shall see it. it Either. Um, But she is, I mean, I've, she's been on my radar since she was in the Lars Van Trier uh, movies, Nymphomaniac. uh, Nymphomaniac. Yeah. And that was a decade ago or or so. Um, So I think she's going places. And I think her strength, you know, what she exhibited specifically in Pearl 
is the ability to, I'm going to, I hate using this phrase, but to elevate the genre. Yes. I mm-hmm. think if she continues to do this strong work, then there are going to be people who are not going to be able to ignore uh, the, the films that she's in and the work she's doing in those films uh, for much longer. It's wishful mm-hmm. thinking, I know, but that's the kind of thing that I think could be a real revolution in horror. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, <clears throat> But I'm also will... excited. To, uh, uh, okay, oh, Mark, last sorry. word. <laughs> okay, no, I'll just say, I'm bringing it, to, bring it around. I will just say, in 10 years, more people will still be watching RRR versus All Quiet on the Western Front. So regardless of the Oscars, RRR is going to be talked about and watched far more than All Quiet on the Western Front in years to come. I'm... I sincerely hope that's true. <laughs> and I... Again, I can't wait to see what SS Rajmuli does next. Mm. Um, all right, so let's talk about an off day game. Um, I'm not going to pronounce that title again, uh, but it is a, you know, Mark, you messaged me on on Facebook. I think you would watch this late last night, yes. and you said I you didn't tell me it was a slow burn film, and I think I messaged back like I had no idea until I started <laughs> watching it because this was recommended um, by a viewer on our last show. Uh, you should really check out this movie. So, you know, we did it. We found it. Sorry, we found it on YouTube. You can't uh, find it anywhere else. It, yeah. It's okay. literally nowhere else. Not even yeah. on disc, on yeah. streaming. I looked everywhere. It, this was the only place, at least in the West, you can find it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, so, yeah, it's and it was a pretty decent, um, you know, transfer, I guess. My only, I guess, gripe, and I guess we'll get right into it, is in the opening title card, it have got a cool kind of scrolling title card of the you know, the movie or the, the the title and off day game but then there's like um not a parable but there's some kind of a story on this paper but it's all uh, written in a language i cannot read but they had white subtitles against a white essentially piece of paper that was scrolling by so i couldn't even tell what that you know that story of that parable was so i may have missed some context but that's not gonna be the first time that I utter that phrase uh, in this conversation because <laughs> as I was talking to Mike uh, before we went on, uh, this was, you know, they, they make reference uh, later in the film uh, to the emergency in 1976. And I got a little bit of an idea of what they were talking about, you know, during the context of the movie. But I when I looked it up afterwards on, on Wikipedia. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But just getting some o- overview of the history mm-hmm. um, this you know, political tension, this essentially um, Indira Gandhi uh, imposing it, it basically taking control of the Indian government, uh, freezing democracy. Mm-hmm. A lot of people got jailed and there was you know, for mm-hmm. it was like two decades, I think mm-hmm. uh, this went on. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was not pretty. And that those political tensions, those kind of like, uh, you know, old rivalries and old uh, tensions, I guess, come bubbling up <clears throat> in this story about five guys, <coughs> excuse me, who get together for a, a drinking party retreat in the woods um, on, you know, following election day. <clears throat> I mean, I take a sip of coffee. Mm. <clears throat> but this... This tension, this this the the talk of caste systems, the treatment of women, the treatment of you know <laughs> men on men, uh, is it's low key explosive. That's the only way I can describe this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably like out of this hour and forty four minute movie, maybe twenty minutes of so called action of things going on, but uh, the build up to the the finale, one of the closing shots, it's so chilling. I wouldn't change a thing about this movie. I really do want to watch it again 
knowing now what I know more about the context surrounding the story, mm-hmm. I think it'll be even more powerful. But for as long and patient of a film as this is, I think it really does have a lot to say. And I'm glad we're talking about it. It's much different than RRR. It's much different than Sardar Udom. It's much different than Undundun, which was like this, you know, crazy like adventure action comedy we talked about last month. So yeah, let's get into it. Who wants to go, I guess, second, because I'm done rambling. Mike, I nominate you. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, go ahead, Mike. Please go ahead, Mike. Uh, <laughs> I'll see what I can salvage from this because this movie had a lot to say where I think you kind of have to be familiar with the politics behind it. Um, what I what I got was it was sort of a statement against masculinity in a way, because mm-hmm. the, there was like a, one exchange where one character is talking to another character about how do you dominate a woman? And he said, you have to be on top of her. And then the other character says to him, well, you're just talking about rape. And isn't that what you do with your wife? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and from there, you kind of get an idea. OK, these aren't just like regular people like out on some retreat. These are probably uh, uh, or the main guy. is like the, the one who sort of like runs the government or just got elected or something. And you kind of see how their behavior is reflective of that government's behavior. And it's something where. I think with a little more background knowledge, I, I would understand and appreciate more, but it sparks curiosity. And for that, it did have me have my attention, especially like with the second half, because the first half, everything is shot on a very static camera. It doesn't move mm-hmm. a lot. And then later they use a steady cam and they're going around the room and kind of engrossing you more in this environment and drawing you closer into the characters as they kind of show their true colors a little more. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, what's interesting about this is it's and again, this is coming from a completely different cultural perspective. But this getaway, this place is out in the middle of the this, you know, very thick woods. And then there's a brilliant kind of establishing tracking showers are going over and through these trees. You just realize how isolated they are. But it's the kind of place that, you know, when I think of a bunch of like my friends getting away, yeah, we're going to go to get a house or a cabin or something. It's still a pretty nice you know, modern building. This place had really, you know, there was watermarks uh, all over mm-hmm. the walls. There's this really strange sink in the middle of the room that was uh, had a backsplash of just like random tiles, but the rest mm-hmm. was just plaster mm-hmm. walls. Um, it, it wasn't very luxurious. Uh, and yet it just seemed like these men of somewhat means were just going out there to to drink and and piss around. Maybe that was sort of the idea. They were just going out there as a place to to <laughs> indulge alcohol and not for the finer things. Um, but they had uh, there were a couple of people who were, I guess, responsible for uh, keeping up the f- the facility and and cooking them dinner and kind of seeing to their every need. And they're treated like absolute garbage. There's the one guy who they purposely get you know blackout drunk, which I guess is kind of fortunate for him because he missed. Uh, all of the calamities that happen at the mm-hmm. end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, Gita, who is the the lady who is making them dinner and who gets sexually harassed and, and constantly leered at. And not knowing where this movie was going, I thought that this was going to be a weird, I spit on your grave type of situation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it didn't end up that way, but it was in a, different way just as horrific uh with mm-hmm. with what happened the confrontation mm-hmm. at the end um so yeah jeff what did you what did you make of this film well i think you guys are both on to all of the 
things that I think become apparent as you watch the film and not only the themes of it, but, you know, sort of the subtle way that it builds up. I, I will say this. I think it is a little confounding the more in some respects for us as film critics or the more movies and TV shows you watch because it has a crudeness and a primitiveness to its filming that there's, there's I mean, I don't think there was a close up on a character until 40 minutes into the film. Mm-hmm. And some of the shots are just woefully static to Mike's point. They sit there or we're watching action through the trees and we never punch in on anything. So it almost seems amateurish. But I, what I think the, the filmmaker uh, was trying to do, uh, Sassideran, I guess his last name is, uh, Sinamal Kumar Sassideran. I don't know if I pronounced that correct, correctly, but I think he is doing something that's interesting that you bring up, I spit on your grave. And that is, I think he wants it to feel very much like it's really happening. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there's very little editing, very little interference with the camera observing it. In fact, it could be somebody watching it from a distance, maybe almost, uh, you know, sort of a fly on the wall or kind of, you know, a person who shouldn't be there watching it. Um, And slowly but surely, it starts to kind of fall into place. And I think everything in this film, actually, believe it or not, as much as I was kind of confounded by this and I wanted some goddamn close ups, you know, it's like, can we get (laughs) can we get some coverage here? I mean, is this film school here? Get the coverage. Where's the reaction shots? I mean, they spend all this time on the female character. We never get a decent look at her. Her butt gets more close ups than her face does, which is she becomes sort of a symbol rather than a character. In some respects, that's what the film is trying to show us, because that's the point of view of the men towards her. But what I think that's interesting about the film is the more it builds up, you start to see where it's going and it falls into place. These are not good men, even despite the fact that they have station. Um, They are supposedly, uh, you know, the bureaucrats and people who have wealth and social standing. And yet they're all crude. They're all rude. They're all sexist. And they're all kind of vile. I mean, how many times do we see them wrapping and rewrapping themselves in towels and scratching and all this? And they treat the help terribly. And you're right. They're not living in some lap of luxury. It's like, no, these people are still sort of gross and primitive. Their their surroundings don't matter to them because for them, all they want to do is get blind drunk and maybe you know, diddle the lady and, and have that kind of stuff. Even her cooking, she's out on the terrace and it looks like some sort of bad campfire that was a makeshift thing as opposed to these are men who could afford to bring in a, a stove or go someplace that maybe has a stove. I mean, it just had this kind of primitive look to it. And, and, the, and I think arguably the whole thing is about the look of the film, the actions of the film, the setting of this film is about this sort of ugliness because the more that it reveals about all the characters, uh, by the time they get to their game, you know something terrible is going to happen because it's ugly. And they've already talked about their one friend who they discriminate against because even though he's Indian, even though he's one of their peers, even though he's in their circle, he's darker than they are, mm-hmm. so they discriminate against him. They call him a black, where the other guys are white, which is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the thing that maybe for the audience out there uh, – to get sort of a look beyond some of the crudeness of and the the sort of um, sort of naivete would seem to in the, the the making of this film, they would be able to understand that because that translates from caste system to caste system to society to decade to decade to century, and at the end. Um, there is such a blase attitude about this horrific thing that they've done. It's it's like, does that seem that much different from what we just saw this last week in Memphis? Not at all. In fact, I kept no. thinking of that while I was watching. It's like you can say this was in 2015. And it's about films from the from the past, um, but those problems still exist. They existed 200 years ago, and wherever there's a system of those who have and those who haven't, those who are 
the uh, servants, those who are the rich, those who are whatever up the food chain of a caste system, similar things kind of happen. And that's what I thought was kind of at the end of the day, uh, somewhat brilliant about this, even though it's a very hard film to like because it's a slow, slow build. <laughs> and it's kind of sort of almost ridiculous in how it's not much of a, a, a film in, in a lot of respects, or at least the traditional ways we would expect to see. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there. One Sorry, thing I, I wanted you mean to go no, on no. so much. <laughs> no, it's it's good because there's a lot to think about and a lot to talk about, which you know, at first glance you wouldn't think there was because again, not a lot, quote unquote, happens in this right. movie. Right. Um, I do want to talk about the filmmaking. Uh, that initial shot where they're kind of sitting around talking about making plans. You know, just mm -hmm. after the big election day kind of parade, right. and everyone's making right. their way through the crowd, and they get out to this clearing in the woods. And they're right. talking about going out to this rental house or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you're right. That that scene, I I was frustrated by it, but I was also I kind of marveled at it because I don't know if it goes on for five minutes or eight minutes, but we're sitting there a while with this static camera, mm -hmm. and there's people coming and going and making plans and all that. But it's one continuous shot, right? And that plays into what I think is the naturalism of this mm -hmm. film, despite when it gets sort of heated and there's uh, you know, the story kind of kicks in. I didn't feel like anybody in this movie was acting. I felt like I was mm -hmm. watching something that could actually happen. And mm -hmm. I, I began to wonder if maybe that is why we didn't get a lot of close-ups. Um, we're sort right. of peering around corners. At mm -hmm. one point, when we go upstairs to follow one character who has had enough and he wants to leave because of this mm -hmm. argument, mm -hmm. we're literally, the camera is at like uh, head height. So it's like we're coming around the corner and then standing back as if we're the sixth person in that room. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's because the director or the writer, this is based on a short story, wanted to like literally say these group of people are representative of people you might know mm -hmm. or people you might mm -hmm. think, you know, we're just going to mm -hmm. watch them. They, you know, can you put yourself in that situation? If you got close ups, you're like, oh, yeah, I know that person or I know that actor. But if that sort of remove is like, oh, there's that guy's got a mustache. That guy doesn't. That guy's mm -hmm. a little bit darker skin. That guy's not. It's a lot easier to just kind of go with generic people. These are big problems we're talking about. It's more of a political kind of allegory than, you know, a story about it's not the hangover, although it does right, kind of have right. a hangover style vibe. But it, <laughs> it's more like very bad things, I guess, than the hangover. Right. But Mark, uh, what did you make of the, the movie? I want to get you in here. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's quite all right. Um, I watch a lot of indie film. I probably watch a lot of indie film. And this felt like it at first, you know, it surprised me because I was reading about how it, it got awards and it got, uh, you know, acknowledged and everything. And I'm like, first that I'm watching it, but as it went on, I think what you, you guys are hitting it on the head. Um, what they want to do with this is not present an actual like movie narrative. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're 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 the the impression I got from it, and again, I'm unfortunately not familiar enough with the culture. So this is just from an outside perspective, but watching enough movies, what I think they were trying to do is give you the feel of pulling back the veil of going, look, this is how society is still. Because I get the impression, especially at the beginning, when we get just the static shot of them making plans, everybody's kind of buddy. They're, they're kind of on the surface. They're like, you know, all friendly to one another, mm -hmm. even though they're different political parties or they're, they're chiding the one political guy, you know, for his votes, you know, but, Oh, Hey, we're all going to gather for drinking. And then once they get the alcohol, AKA truth serum, we start <laughs> to see 
true colors come through Mm -hmm. but the way they shoot it is is all very documentary type style as Mm -hmm. if these these are like you said they are real people and i also get the feeling and maybe it's just because of the translation i also get the feeling that some of it was improv because we can we we get more and more long tracking shots which i love long tracking shots people don't realize the emotional impact long tracking shots have because we uh, until you see them because we get so many cut 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 mm-hmm. cut 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 mm-hmm. you know 30 40 cuts within a minute mm-hmm. of some films and here you're getting long tracking shots and if you look at it from the filmmaking perspective these actors have to continue to act during mm-hmm. that long mm-hmm. tracking shot. Namely, when the one guy was going to leave and they talk him back. That is one continuous tracking mm-hmm. shot from when he starts to leave out into the mm-hmm. driveway. While they're there, a guy comes back in. They're going, what's going on? They're bantering. And it's and, raining. It's, and it's, yeah, it's raining. And, and right. It's legit yeah. raining. That's not a rain machine. It's legit <clears throat> raining. Right. And, and you keep following them. It doesn't cut away. You keep following them back up the stairs, back to the table. And then eventually it kind of cuts to the alternate angle. But if you think about what went into that and the conversation and that, not all of that could have been scripted. It had to have been kind of also improv a bit because it's all one shot. There is no coverage. But by doing that, you do get this window of life. You get this feeling you know, and the way they direct it, you immediately know what the guy you feel for for the the uh, who's it? Uh, uh, Githa is her name. Or, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. You immediately feel for Githa like she's starting to cook and she has her her uh, partner there who they're they're trying to set up and everything. Mm-hmm. And he kind of talks to her a little bit. You're like, OK, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take long for them to direct it to go. She's in danger. Mm-hmm. I mean, from when the political guy, even the guy who has the station is staring down at her at the balcony, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, you need to leave. Mm-hmm. You should you should just leave. You get that feeling. Yeah. And and then I, you know, Anna or, or uh you know, the, the one guy mm-hmm. uh who is the most boisterous, he really starts to get creep creepy. Um and uh, thank God she had the cle- meat cleaver with her, uh, <laughs> you know, but the way they all set it up, it, it really felt like they were trying to make a statement in reality, like saying, I'm not presenting you a, a fictional con, you know, a, a account. Here's how things still are, mm-hmm. even at the time this film was made. Uh, you know, and that, and that's maybe why it was the impact because it, it felt like there were conversations mm-hmm. and stuff as well in here that, you feel like these are real conversations. This isn't someone writing the script going, oh, this is all kinds of woke. I'm going to make these guys, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) This is, I think, what he was going for. And that's why I'm sitting there going, I've got patience. I've got patience. And then you get to the last 20 minutes as things ramp up. And by the end, you're just like, Wow, you know, I <laughs> starting this film, I did not expect it one to end where it did, and me to feel the way I did by the end of it, considering mm-hmm. we were getting shots of babbling brooks and oh, yeah. like long, you know, like long form short slow burn films love to do. Well, it seemed well, like it was tranquil almost at first, you know, mm-hmm. it was deceivingly so like, oh, we're out in nature. And but see, that's to me the comment too. like he's playing with people's nature. And by letting the scenes go on and not cut, not become subjective, like the directors decided what he wants us to see and when 
by that, like that long seam of the guys trying to leave in the rain. We see it go from like, oh, kind of cajoling and we're sorry and come back to threatening and like are they going to beat him up are they going to hurt him are they going to like resent him for wanting to still leave so they're going to hurt him or you know it's this slow dread and we're experiencing it in real time and sort of seeing how this becomes these out of control men influenced by alcohol influenced by their station and sort of unchecked by any real balances or or, or law around them out in the wilderness well, it's something that I didn't pick up on. And again, this might come back to, to culture, and I don't want to offend anybody by what I'm about to say. But, you know, in, I guess, America, I can only speak for from my perspective, you know, we're, we're a melting pot of, you know, different races and cultures. We have a lot of, you know, issues over, you know, skin color here, you know, that guy's white, that guy's black, it's sort of, you know, that guy's Asian, Asian, that guy's Mexican, whatever, right. um, that lends itself to its own kind of problems. When I'm watching this movie, I'm just seeing a bunch of, you know, Indian friends out for a weekend. It wasn't until um, Dasan starts uh, making this speech towards the end about how he's considered black, almost mm -hmm. the black sheep of the group, mm -hmm. and everyone else is sort of considered white. That hadn't occurred to me. But then I started thinking back after what happened to him happened. And I was thinking, okay, he's the one that they sent out to kill the rooster. He's the one that went up the tree to get the jackfruit. Mm -hmm. He's essentially playing this almost subservient role, which, you know, if you rewind the, the tape in your head, yeah, it, it makes sense that these kinds of things would, would explode mm -hmm. in this way. It kind of comes out semi-coherent, which makes sense because they're all, you know, blind drunk. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the, the movie is deceptively thematic, even in those moments like, how long is he going to be up in that tree? I mean, mm -hmm. you know? but to your point too, there, but to your point, Ian, there it is again. I mean, he is placed in the role of servant. Where well, they are like not, telling him what to do. Well, but he just falls into that and they kind of go along with it. And again, there's the caste system. Mm -hmm. It's the ruling class and then the people who serve the ruling class. And that's how it's always been in every probably culture since the dawn of time. It may seem subtle, but we do it here in our in our own country. You know, I mean, even with people who are servants, how many times do you go to a restaurant and your friends don't look at the waiters because, well, they're the waiters. I mean, that's yeah. right there. That person could be Billy Joe Bob or whatever sitting there, you know, and make $30,000 a year. And yet he's sneering at the guy waiting on him at the subway because that guy is below me. Mm, we do yeah. it all the time. And they do that here in this movie. It's very interesting. And they don't seem that different from uh, each other. But in that culture, those are significant differences. Well, it's interesting because the, the, you bring that up. And again, this might just be BS, you know, artsy fartsy theorizing but when <laughs> Dasan goes out to strangle this chicken because nobody right. wants to kill this thing this rooster mm -hmm. for dinner it's sort of a last minute like hey we're yes. gonna have rooster for dinner mm -hmm. and they want Geetha to do it but she refuses mm -hmm. uh, no one else wants to touch it so Dasan kind of goes out and he strings it up he he it's right. I've never seen a chicken killed like this before. Mm. Usually it's you cut the head off or whatever, but actually strangles it. Yeah. The scene where we after this happens, the, the kind of camera kind of floats away and then we get some more of these babbling brooks. But then we get to see a medium shot of the rooster hanging from the tree. At first, I thought it was just sort of inartfully done because it's such a flat shot. 
that the body of the rooster, it, there's no definition separating it from the forest background. You mm. almost it's almost like a where's Waldo thing. I'm looking mm. right mm. at it, but mm. I can't see it. And that I feel like maybe that is some kind of a, a commentary on Desan's uh, struggle, uh, his identity within that group. Like it's something that is really bothering him. No one else really seems to care because they see him just as part of the group, but they don't seem to identify with uh, they, like, oh, he probably doesn't even care about any of that stuff. Yeah, we'll just go send him to, to do our our dirty work. He, he doesn't mind. He's Desan. Um, or he and, seems you know, less less of a living person, just yes. like that chicken was living and now just blends into the rest of the background. They don't even see it as something that had a life and they've decided to dispose of it in a horrible way. It's also a wonderful moment of foreshadowing, of course. <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah. because he ends up exactly <laughs> the same way at the end. Now, this there's like, I'll, again, I'm going to use the phrase low key to describe some of this movie. There's like a low key tension mm -hmm. in that balcony scene where they play the game. Mm -hmm. uh, they essentially draw uh, lots to play. Was it governor, cop, thief? And there, there's it's, some other role. It's the game. That's yeah, the yeah, actual. Right. That's right. The, the, right. The minister, yeah. 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 Thief. Uh, you get thief, cop, cop, uh, minister, king. King and is king, the rich yeah. man, mm -hmm. and then uh, one that they add, which is sort of done a little heavy-handedly here, court, is the right. Supreme Court. He's kind yeah. of the judge of it. <laughs> who, of course, right off the bat, he declares himself the Supreme Court without being elected, uh, and he's the first person assigned a role when they're playing the game. And then, of course, he's bribed the entire game, so he's not making any really informed judicial decisions. He's just basically saying, "I'm the guy you have to bribe if you want to win the game or not be the bad guy in the game." Right. So the one the, the cop has to find out who the thief is out of right. the various people who've drawn these lots. And he essentially chooses wrong every time until yes. he gets to uh, the last guy. And the and I can't remember the name, but it's the it's the dude who has uh, got slapped, <laughs> slapped the crap out of uh, by Gita when he made an unwanted advance. He's leaning against that railing. And I thought for sure this Hitchcocky intention of like the unexploded briefcase. Yeah. I thought he was going over that railing and that was going to be a whole thing. Like, how do we deal with this? Right. But right. Uh, no. And that was, I think a deliberate piece of misdirection. There's a bunch mm -hmm. of that in this film. Mm -hmm. I think it was really well done because mm -hmm. it's Dazan who ends up going over. He doesn't go over the railing. They tie uh, sheets around his neck and they put him over that uh and he's he's hung. That's that's one of the closing shots of the film is he him hanging there horrifically as the camera like goes back mm -hmm. you know, through the apartment and down around the stairs and around the front and like, boom, there you see him. Now, that is he is definitely separated from the background. There's no mistaking that there is a dead body hanging horrifically there from the from the balcony. Yeah. And it's stylistically made where you're almost like desensitized like these guys like we were talking about earlier, like the camera's always held back. It just seems like a bunch of people having a regular day out and when they're about to hang uh Desan was his name mm -hmm. yeah when they're about to hang Desan you, you, the way he's reacting when they're pinning him to the ground and everything you think oh they're just playing but he's acting horrified mm -hmm. and it's not until the end that you know you see the body but the camera still takes a while to go around for you to kind of like ingest like what happened because like after he hung I was like wait a minute is he really dead or what how high was that balcony or what what am I watching? And of course, once they turn it around, it's kind of like how you don't think of how people in power don't think about the harm that they're causing or That's care right. about it. And until you look, turn, stop, turn around and look at it, then 
it sort of sinks in. And I think that might've been what they were going with, with it, but it's open for interpretation, which is what makes it more fun. It makes the viewer more of the participant. Well, it's and interesting too. It's the one flourish, if I dare say, the director puts it in. That's a, I mean, it's almost like a Brian De Palma camera move, you know, like something from Dress to Kill when he's weaving the camera all around the art gallery as Angie Dickinson is pursuing or being pursued by the gentleman uh, who's also in the museum. Um, and suddenly it, it's, uh, it, it was almost like he was sort of saying, see, I can make it this look like a, a movie with sort of a flourish like that if you want to, because it's a hell of a, uh, reveal in the end shot. It's very Hitchcockian as well, which is, of course, also sort of the De Palma shtick. But um, uh, but you're right. Up until then, I think we're kind of lulled into almost thinking that we're watching something that is um, almost like a documentary. It's casual. It's these people sort of interacting. It's maybe making some bad comments about men and power. And obviously, they're sexist and they're kind of cowardly to not want to actually have to make their dinner. They get the, sir, the guy who's in this the cast system who they deem the guy who should do it, do it. Um, and then suddenly at the end, it becomes lots of symbolism, um, lots of commentary and point of view of the director. And then even a very, very stylish, stylistic shot that uh, lets us know that this is much more deliberate than maybe we at first thought. And I think that's kind of the power of it is that we're kind of lulled into it, just like these guys seemingly, like you said, a six member of it. And then we see all this stuff that we don't really go along with in life, but we're, we're part of it. You know, we're there as with them and watching this. And then we sort of feel sullied at the end because we've watched this all happen and maybe missed the foreshadowing and the, the signs that this was a group of terrible men. Well, and that's the, you know, one of the things I liked about this movie is it definitely has a point of view, hmm. but I don't think it hits uh, your description of it, Jeff, I think is much more, and it's not a knock on you. It's much more heavy handed <laughs> than I think the film presents itself. <laughs> as. Yeah, I grant you, but yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm like sort of, it. I'm sort of saying it almost like if I was doing an essay on it, sort of, you know, <laughs> here's what I think it meant, but it, it, it's never that obvious. Right. And that's what I think is the brilliance of it is a lot of this stuff comes out in snippets of drunken conversation. Right. There's no soapboxing right. where people get right. up and they make these grand protestations and stuff like that. Right. It's people kind of lashing out under the aid of alcohol. And we're mm -hmm. left. We're meant to fill in the gaps even when they talk about sure. um, the emergency and, and things like that. Uh, it it strays into politics, but mm -hmm. it doesn't become like a giant debate movie. Mm -hmm. um, the result of, of that conversation is, I think, evidenced by the, the film's uh, final moments. Mm -hmm. um, it says something that we don't really know much about these men, or at least it's hard for me right, to pick up right. just on first viewing. I think, was mm -hmm. it Mark or was it Mike? What do you guys said that, you know, these may have all been kind of powerful people. I don't know yeah. that that's necessarily the case. I feel mm -hmm. like it feels like a mixture of like maybe these were childhood friends who grew up mm -hmm. in different uh, to become different types of people in different casts and they, their friendship kind of bound them together. Because my question is, Dasan, he's been murdered. You can't just cover that up or walk away. Yet the film walks away from it. There's mm -hmm. no talk of the aftermath mm -hmm. or consequences. Um, you know, it, it's. It's almost a common. I don't know if it's a commentary on like, well, that the rich can get away with murder or whatever. Maybe that's the case. Uh, but there is no sort of judgment 
uh, by the filmmakers. It's just like we see Desan's body and then everyone else just kind of magically disappears, um, which I think was kind of a bold statement. Usually you watch these kinds of movies, like I mentioned, you know, like The Hangover or Very Bad Things. Those are kind of wacky slash dark comedies. Right. But there's the, the bro retreats where there's like tears mm -hmm. and crying and I love you, man. But people fight and then they kind of resolve their issues and we kind of walk away knowing how to feel about everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to feel about everybody because I don't exactly know where everyone's from. They are, I think, bad people to a degree, but not all of them are as bad as everybody else. Like there's the one guy, uh, Turumeni, who's the, the dude in the glasses who kind of disappears for a while because he's out kind of getting provisions and he comes back with more booze. Uh, he's And he's also the Supreme Court uh, justice. He's complicit in the entire thing, but he's also one of those sort of background characters. And everyone else is like screaming at each other. He's just sort mm -hmm. of like, what are, what are you doing? Let's just drink. <laughs> mm -hmm. So he's complicit, but he's it's not he's not evidently as much of a bastard as some of these other guys are. And I think that's also an interesting choice on the part of the filmmakers too, uh, talking perhaps about uh, the, the fence sitter, the people who are just like, yeah, everyone's got their own points of view. And I'm just going to sit here and not really get uh, involved until my hands get bloody just because I perhaps didn't get involved mm. or didn't take it seriously. Um, well, I actually think you're, analysis. I think you actually think you're onto a point there. Ian. I think that it is not necessarily saying that these people are pure evil. They aren't, but they are bad men and they quickly de devolve into bad men. Um, their treatment of women, their, uh, excessive booze um they seem to be uh you know unwilling to accept that one guy wants to leave and and they bully him into staying none of that's good behavior so my oh. these people may be good family men they may be you know good in their jobs who knows but <laughs> it's kind of funny with this given circumstances out in the wild sort of unchecked not really under any of sort of the constraints of what might be society or traffic or a hundred other things um they you know, sort of go too far with a number of things. And it seems that to me, there was always a little bit of tension about, is this on the verge of becoming dangerous? I think alcohol, especially driven uh, drunk to excess with men in a group setting, group settings, the mob is never good. Mm -hmm. uh, and alcohol is never good in those situations. And uh, an attractive woman who's the only woman among seven men there or six men is not good. Um, but yeah, I think it just shows how quickly it can spiral out of control. I think before that final act, you're worried about, are they going to attack this woman? Are they going to attack their friend who wants to leave? Are they going to get into a fight? Who gets to be the cop or who's winning the game? Because they seem to be starting to get very pushy and loud and aggressive and asinine about it. And I think, you know, like I said, they're probably decent people in many respects. But given those set of circumstances, they default into really sort of base, almost primitive versions of of man, uh, masculinity and, and humanity and lose it. It's it's almost uh, like Lord of the Flies, except there's, yeah, there's I was a woman just involved. Say that. Very I good. Was, very good. I was just going to I was just going to say it. it it's it's like a, a Lord of the Flies with adult men. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, 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 I, I, I think I'm going to cut that part of the show, Mark. That could be misconstrued. Well, uh, that, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Well, that's a different one. That's that's Lord of the Flies, but flies is kept. Never mind. Oh no. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a different Lord movie. of the Flies on You know, they they didn't have to change the title for the X right. They version. didn't have to change the title for parody. <laughs> right. It's just a different box art. Anyway, uh, but nice choice of words there. Mark, um, that, but, that box art was something. Yeah, it was. I'm just saying. Well, um, but what you know? Yeah, go what, ahead. Sorry, Mike. I was just going to say, 
one person that I think we mentioned who is out of the way, but who I fully think died of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> oh, was the, the guy in the chair. And I think it's kind of implied that there's something more than him just being passed out drunk. That they might have drugged him. Well, that to get him out of the way. Either, they they may have either drugged him or he just mm. had too much and he mm. he passed out or one of them accidentally killed him. I don't know because mm. he's in that chair. He doesn't move yeah. for half the film. Even yeah, even yeah. passed out drunk. I mean, and it goes along with what we were saying at the end of the film. The rest don't acknowledge him because of his station basically they i mean the only reason they're acknowledging geetha unfortunately at least some of them is because she's female otherwise if she was a guy they would barely acknowledge him mm-hmm. you know that's the impression but the one guy they they you know they're oh yeah no he's one of us he's one of us till he gets passed out drunk and then he just leave him in the chair and i think he died in all <laughs> but to your point mark they don't care about him after that point right. he's out of the yeah. picture so they've stopped even thinking of him as a human being they think of the the uh, geetha as a uh you know just sort of this object, object and a sexual object at that and the guy is just a servant and when he stops serving and is passed out drunk they don't acknowledge him and when they get down to it the person who is the least of the sort of assigned roles which interestingly enough, kind of matches sort of their assigned roles, the rich man, the bureaucrat. They're playing the same people that they are in real life. And then, of course, the person who just 20 minutes earlier said, you guys look at me differently because I'm darker skinned and I'm always discriminated against because of that. Uh, He's the 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 man that's expendable. And, you know, it's it's also interesting, too, because I think this is how these things happen and they escalate and they don't you don't see them necessarily going that way. But do you think those five cops, when they stopped uh, Mr. Nichols at the traffic thing, thought that it was going to end the way it did? I mean, maybe they thought, well, they that's uh, be we tough don't need to get into that whole thing. Well, no, no, they're... I'm just saying, but I think what it is, it's, it's about groups of people in situations that get out of control quickly can, can really, really escalate fast. And I think just the point of, I mean, is that, that I think that same thing is going on here at the movie. And the story in the movie. Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing about, I believe that character was uh, Narayan, and um, when we first see him and Gita, they're getting the the sort of the hotel, I, I keep wanting to call it a hotel, the house, whatever they're staying yeah, in, right. ready, and he's like uh, kind of berating her, like, you know, this isn't cleaned up yet, this isn't, you know, you haven't mm-hmm. put the food on yet. Mm-hmm. He seems like he really wants to please them to the point where he's hanging out and they're saying, yeah, have another drink, and he's, you know, eventually mm-hmm. passes out. I think he's just gets blackout drunk and is sort of out of the way. Um, I don't know if there's anything more nefarious because I don't think they would waste their good drugs on, <laughs> on one of the house servants. Um, but it's the thing about Gita is why I think that's a, a bit of keen misdirection, either on the part of the director or the marketing team, because the sort of the poster, you know, the the iconic image of this film is her with the close up of that, um, you know, that threshing tool or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the photo of the five guys kind of in the woods. And you, that's that's one of the reasons I thought this is going to be a nice bit on your grave kind of situation, mm-hmm. like things get out of hand and or, you know, mm-hmm. or the accused. But mm-hmm. she exits the picture relatively quickly i think she's out by about the like maybe just after the midway part mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um she decides that she's gonna go home and the one guy follows her and he tries to put the moves on her and uh, she slaps the crap out of him 
And like, I'd never heard this phrase before. He calls her daughter of a bitch. And then, and then she says, motherfucker. I'm like, and then she just keeps walking. I'm like, that's incredible. The movie could just <laughs> end right now. And I would be so happy well, because I wasn't expecting it to go that way. It's, yeah. it's mm. for as much as we are afraid for Gita in this movie, I think there are clues that are cues that even if these guys had the gumption to actually do something, I don't think they would have the stones to do it. Um, you know, the the guy, he he takes the slap. He doesn't, you know, we've seen that in other movies where, you know, the, the girl slaps the, the attacker and, you know, things escalate terribly from there. But he just kind of takes it and slinks back to his bros. Uh, the other thing is there's a, a, a prolonged song that these guys are mm -hmm. singing. And it's the only context I can think of it or the only parallel sort of rap music in the way that they talk about, you know, women. Um, but this sounds like a very kind of popular song that they all know. And some of the lyrics are um, let's marry another woman. One of our wives, uh, once our wives are beaten. Well, yeah, that, and that, and I think that's like, once our wives are beaten, well, like that's like the chorus mm -hmm. and they keep repeating it, but it's just, it just, feels kind of like talk. I don't necessarily feel like these guys are going home and beating their wives, despite some of that other conversation about like, is sex rape and, and all of that business. It just sounds like I feel like these guys go home and they are not necessarily the rulers of the roost in the way that they perhaps like to think they are when they're on their little guy retreat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the way they talk about women in general is pretty horrific. And yeah, once you get to the end, I kind of wonder, are more people going to die at the end of that thing? Because they, they took that game very seriously in a way. Or seriously. Is, yeah. Oh, are you saying this could be like the next Saw franchise? Like, hey, I want to play a game. <laughs> well, I would be okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Well, what's, what's interesting, what's interesting in the story and the craft that they and it's subtle and, and I, I'm as shallow as a puddle and I make puddles in the lakes. So pardon me, but the trigger is that incident with Geetha because literally right after we get that, we start the discussion between the two guys about the sex with women and mm -hmm. being dominant. And if you notice from that point, which, you know, Something finally happened. Yeah. <laughs> Me and slow cinema usually don't quite get along too well. Uh, but from that point, that is like that, that is like the pin in the grenade. Mm -hmm. Up until that point, you kind of had the atmosphere mm -hmm. of something's going to happen. There's tension, mm -hmm. but it kind of subsided quick when he tries to grow and, and do the thing he did with Geetha and she she fights him off. I, I wanted to, her to cut his arm off or something. She had to, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, get him. I'm like, yeah, go cut. But from like literally that moment to the rest of the film, the pin has been pulled and you just see things, the pressure build, like it starts to escalate, just shoots right up to where that atmosphere is no longer atmosphere. That is that is the environment they're in. And what's even more telling is when they're doing the game, if you look at the look on, uh, who is it, uh, 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 Dasan's face, He's the robber. You know he got the robber paper instantly because he the look on his face the entire time, if looks could kill, they'd all be dead hmm. because he's just looking and he's just waiting. And it's almost like he knows 
And the other guy knows who's making the guess, the cop, that he's the robber and that he's making the mistake choices on purpose to leave him to last. And that's Mm. almost the impression I get is that he knew who the robber was Mm. and he left his buddy. And he may have been wrong. He he may not have known completely, but he left uh, Dasan last on purpose, regardless of his last guess. It's it's entirely possible. I mean, it's something I hadn't really put together until you had said it, Mark, was after the incident with Gita, the, the one dude goes back, and that's when the, I believe that's right around the conversation of the mm-hmm. um, uh, the emergency comes up. Right. He goes in, sits down, starts poking the bear of that conversation because the one guy was like, yeah, it was great for, you know, some people. I mean, you've got this cushy government job. You don't even live here. I guess he was implying that the guy was visiting from like mm-hmm. Britain or something because he's like, I'm mm-hmm. or, I don't know if it was Britain, but it's like I'm I'm ruled by a king. Mm-hmm. Uh, but essentially the guy was like, yeah, the it was, uh, you know, sure. Everyone was made to to go to work on time and, and that was wonderful for them. But my father was a political prisoner. And when he came back from, you know, his time, he was a different man because the the guards had plucked all of his, you know, facial hairs out one by one and, and, and tortured him in unspeakable ways. And then one guy's like, well, you know, that's that's kind of a personal problem, something you got to deal with. You know, what does it have to do with anything we're talking about? Like, wow, these guys are friends, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, we're just about time here. So do we have any final thoughts on uh, an off day game, the, the, the sunniest, cheeriest movie of 2015. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting because we sort of use the term slow burn. Uh, and I think that is, but I think maybe in some respects, a better word for it is festering. I think it's mm. almost a festering horror film. Uh, it feels very much like uh, I spit on your grave, both in that sort of pseudo documentary feel that kind of lulling you into thinking that it's just going to happen. There's very little music in that movie and it just suddenly explodes. And I think here, you know, there's, there's this kind of, um, you know, kind of recipe that's slowly but surely falling into place. And some of it has to do with rejection by uh, the woman. Some of it has to do with them trying to one up each other and the way guys do when they get together, a lot of his alcohol, but by the time they uh, have been rejected by the woman and she's left and they don't have any help really. And they're kind of left to their own devices and they pull the bureaucrat in in the rain, which is ridiculous that they're all standing there arguing for 10 minutes and stuff. It's kind of a festering almost a horror film waiting for this horrific ending. And uh, I, there's some power in that because it's like I didn't expect it to go there. And at first I thought it seemed like it was almost amateurish to me, but I think it was done that way to make us feel like this is just this thing happening. And then suddenly, boom, something really amazing and terrible happens. But it's kind of earned because we see it festering. There's very few cuts in this. I think I read um, – in the promotion material or something that I read that there's only like 70 or 80 cuts in this whole film. Mm -hmm. So it's clearly made very inexpensively. And there's some shots to your point, Mike, that go on for like six or seven minutes that I think you said that too, Mark, there's a point in the middle where there's a couple shots that, you know, the the camera doesn't move. You know, we're watching that, that path down the way as they're trying to get their friend back in the rain go on. And it's just sitting there for seven minutes. So we're kind of lulled into it, but it's this festering awfulness that, comes out at the end and it's kind of a shocker i think that should be on the poster uh, a, a an off day game 
Uh, festering awfulness. <laughs> there you go. If they want to put me on my quote on there, I'm all for it. <laughs> all right. Um, Mark or Mike, any, any closing thoughts? Uh, well, I, it depends the mood you're in to see this film. If you're uh, waiting, if you want to see a movie that's slower moving and actually builds up to something and doesn't just not, not go anywhere, because that's always my main fear whenever I see a slow moving film. I'm like, okay, is this going to actually lead to something? And it right. does. Mm -hmm. It's a movie that could be, be seen and seen again and probably reinterpreted in like yeah. 50 different ways. Right. And yeah. that, that's, that, that really uh, plays to the strength of of its narrative and its direction. And, you know, it's not just something you can see and be like, oh, all right, I got it. And then walk away from it. <laughs> yeah. Mark, how about you? Um, I think uh, the film has even more power for the region that it was made in. I mean, we're all looking at this from a perspective to where uh, we're not that, you know, we're not in, in that culture every day. So we're not familiar, but mm -hmm. If it gives you any thought of what how strong this film is, and you've heard this discussion over the hour, this is what we've picked up on just from us watching it from basically an outside perspective. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine those who are closer to the material, closer to the subject matter that they talk about, mm -hmm. probably felt when this film came out. And you can see why it actually got the accolades and 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 talk about that it did mm -hmm. in india according to to all the information i've been found mm -hmm. i i would recommend this if people like found footage films mm. watch this film because it's it's what i would call almost a hybrid film of found footage to where it's not found footage but it's shot almost like a found footage film mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. if you're one of the people there with your camera, either on your phone or on your shoulder. However, you're watching it and it, it, it's the events are meant to feel realistic. And so mm -hmm. it really has a spirit of a found footage film, uh, even up through the end, you, you know, in, in a way it, it's someone with the camera uh, just being one of the people not necessarily a filmmaker, just a person is watching this. And I think that's what they're trying to go for. This isn't, you're not seeing this through a cinematographer's lens. You're not seeing this through a director's lens. I think in the end of the day, it's a <clears throat> film that is meant to give you a feeling like you're just a person watching this. This is just a person watching this. That's the POV. And yeah, yeah if, you, if you're a found footage fan, though, I would say, yeah, you definitely would probably really enjoy this film yeah to that point mark i mean you could almost cut this you know, like just add a quick insert piece the establishing kind of group shot that we talked about that goes on for several minutes and then making the plans to go to the house we're off behind some you know foliage watching them from a distance and then later we see as i mentioned we're almost in the room kind of rounding corners with them standing back it's almost like this is body cam footage of people who are on a sting <laughs> to like <laughs> to catch mm -hmm. these guys in the act like they mm -hmm. played this game before. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I mean, that's that's just like hyperbole, but it, it's not much of a stretch to say you could work that into the narrative somehow. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I thank you guys for for talking about this movie uh, again. It was recommended by a viewer. I'm glad that they they recommended this. That's um, a different film than what we've talked about before. And it's deceptively complex for 
what it is. We've talked for over an hour about a movie in which guys go out to the woods and drink. <laughs> and then one of them ends up getting killed because of a stupid childhood game. But there's so much more uh, to it than that. And I think I think it's wonderful. So um, I will uh, I would just like to say thank you, uh, everyone, for, for watching this. Thanks for going on this uh, Spotlight India journey and continuing on with us. We'll be back next month talking about something. I do want to mention, um, have you guys seen, Mark, I know you've seen the trailer because I think you sent it to me for this movie called Pathan. Have you heard of this yet? Mm, I sent you the trailer on purpose because when I saw it, I'm like, oh, I got, I, this, this is, yeah. It, it looks like Brosnan era Bond mixed with RRR <laughs> on cocaine. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, it's, I'm going to link one the, of the trailer it, below. Yeah. It's one of the, it's one of the, uh, it's one of the Indian action films, which if you've ever through, uh, through the time, even seen the trailers or clips on YouTube from Indian action films, they get insane. And when I saw this trailer, I'm like, I got to find this movie somewhere. <laughs> I got to well, see it. That's funny. I, the thing is, it is playing in Chicagoland. And it's even you. playing in some like random suburbs out here. Like it's, <laughs> I looked it up when Mark sent me the trailer. I'm like, it's playing everywhere out here. So I'm, I'm thinking... If it expands somehow next month, we might have to talk about Pathan. Or, or Mark, I just I might just have to pay you like nine hundred dollars in gas money so you can find a theater near it to, to go. When I say nine hundred dollars in gas money, I mean so you can drive like ten miles. Yeah. Um, but uh, no. So, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about something next month. Maybe Pathan. Maybe something else. If you've got a movie that you'd like us to uh, watch and talk about, I mean, we've got a whole spreadsheet of recommendations going back to the RRR days. Um, but yeah, leave a comment below. Also, leave a comment if you've watched uh, an off-day game and you find our interpretations to be wildly off-base. Perhaps you are <laughs> you know, part of the, the culture that this movie is reflective of, and you're like, you guys don't get it at all. We would love to be educated. You know, We're not saying any of this to be uh, offensive. It is just our, our interpretation as film critics and, <laughs> and, and Westerners. Uh, we, we love the film and we appreciate what we think it's trying to say, but if you've got... Uh, an alternate interpretation or something that might enhance our understanding of it uh, and agree with us, please leave a comment down below and be sure and like and subscribe and all that stuff, uh, especially to my fine uh, and lovely guests. We've got, again, Mark the Movie Man Krawcheck. We've got Mike Crowley. We've got Jeff York. All their information is below, in, uh, including uh, the rest of Earth's Mightiest Critics who couldn't be here tonight. Um, but, uh, yeah, until next time, whenever that is, whatever that is, Thanks very much. Take care. And um, yeah, go Indian cinema. I love this. I love this all. Mm -hmm.